Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. All the main between the whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles Detroit, your hometown team. That's right, and we are also very festive today. Yeah, we. Are, I know. I have to go Christmas shopping, so that'll be fun. I haven't even started Christmas shopping. I haven't even. I haven't even started thinking about Christmas shopping. Yeah, see, this is the problem. You know, if you're a guy, you know, you usually wait till the last minute to go shopping. You know. Yeah, well, if you're a politician, you wait till the last minute to go shopping, especially when you have a five-hour meeting like I did last night. But let's not talk about that. I'd rather talk about you the missed Red the Rebels game yesterday. That I yes, that's you the missed problem. The Rebel, you missed the Red Wings game yesterday. That was the biggest problem with that meeting is that I missed the Red Wings game. You watched. You, you missed a stellar performance from Alex Nedeljkovic. You missed Dylan Larkin scoring. And you know I love that. Mm-hmm. I know I love that. Um, and uh, you know the other thing I missed was uh, you and know Rasmussen pers- score. Yeah, and there was a person that you give so much grief to, and in Rasmussen. <laughs> That's true. I, I still I still think I'm I'm expecting more from him than what we're seeing so far. I'm pretty I, sure we won't be expecting him some from you know for some time. Well, no, because now he's on COVID protocol along with my boy Robbie Fabry, who got his extension. Talk about exciting stuff. Boy, another right move by the captain. But as you can see, he doesn't like anything longer than those three years. Get an extension, get COVID. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> at least you got at least you got four million dollars to like cushions the blow, doesn't it? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, bring on the COVID nineteen because I've got a four got million, a $4 million dollar, dollar extension. Let's go. <laughs> No, good for him because I'll tell you, Robbie Fabry, I believe it was it had really been undervalued yeah. uh, until this point. So you know, if you're going to give the money to anybody or if anybody's earned his keep, uh, certainly that contract was earned by Robbie Fabry, and I'm thrilled because I hopefully that'll lock him into this future with the Red Wings. And I think that you know he was quoted as saying he was excited about the contract because he wanted to be a part of what's coming, and I think we all see. A very bright future ahead with the Red Wings. You know, Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider continue to just amaze uh, with what they're capable of. And, um, you know, then we've got the prospects of getting Jacob Verana back yeah. uh, after the Olympic break. However, I'm wondering if that might change a little bit. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And yep. um, But, yeah, we've got still some of our best talent yet to all come together. What I'm excited is... I want to see when all of the real solid talent on the roster all plays together. I yeah. think it'll be – I think one of two things will happen, Joe. I think it'll be absolutely freaking dynamic where it will be like, holy cow, we're looking at a Stanley Cup team here. Or they're going to have some adjustment and the, and, and it may be like, oh, gosh, we got too much big stuff going on on the ice, mm-hmm. too many egos, too many big – and I'm not saying necessarily all these guys are egos, but – 
you know, the, you know, you have have kind of a battle of talent, and yep. uh, I think it's going to go one of two ways. I am really hoping, and I think it's going to go. We're going to be looking at a Stanley Cup team here. I mean, if Nelson Dukovic keeps playing like he is, I mean, that's he's been playing so good, stellar, good. You know what I like about Ned is. And again, it's more of, I don't know if it's necessarily what we're seeing in all the stats, and I agree, he's doing very, very well. But, you know, Ned feels like a Red Wing to me. It feels like a fit. It's almost like, you know, you know when you're trying to fit a, you know, a square peg into a round hole, but when this one, I mean, he just, this is the total opposite of that. Ned just fits. I think, I don't know if it's because he's from here. I don't know if it's because, um, you know, he's just, it's age. Um, at the point he's at in his career, uh, there's a tremendous opportunity, and he sees that, and he's making the most of it. It could be all of those things. But to me, Ned looks like a Red Wing. He feels like a Red Wing to me. And I, you know, there's some discussion about if he's going to get the next contract extension, and maybe we should do that now. And uh, I think that Stevie Wise certainly has to be thinking about it because I think that's the right move. I think we should lock him into a, to an, a contract. Um, because I think he he looks and feels like a Red Wing to me. Yeah, you know, there's there's some games where he looks he looks uh, very very good. I mean, he's had some clunkers with the, the the Blues game where he gave up three goals. He gave up four goals against Nashville, three against the Islanders. But I mean, he's got to get he's got to get his goal looks against average down a little bit. But he's like trending in the right direction. And I think that you know you got Sebastian Cosa. You draft you drafted him last year. He you can't you can't rely on a goalie to be ready in like a year. That's very very rare, especially in the NHL. I mean, you rarely see a goalie come into the NHL two years in and light it up. It's very rare. Well, I I love Ned's athleticism. Mm-hmm. I love to watch him play. The thing with this with him is. It's almost like a win-win because even if he doesn't win the game, he's fun to watch. Yeah. He's a win. You get a win. You get a satisfying experience just from watching him play the game. And uh, just because of his athleticism, because you just never know what dynamic saves you're going to see out of Ned. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Kosa is that um, I see, you know, he could be another, like, potential Jordan Biddington. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and you know I like him too, and I see Kosa as possibly being that. You know, you just wait. He is given the right opportunity at the right time, and I think he'll light it up. Yeah, I think I, I really do like Sebastian Kosa, but I think Nadalkovic will kind of get you into that bridge of Kosa and Nadalkovic because Nadalkovic he's entering kind of the goalie prime years. You know, when they hit that twenty-five year mark, they kind of. They're more mature. They're more able to see the game better. You know, it's, yeah. it's not like, you know, it's it's very rare for a goalie to come in like Sider or Raymond where they're so poised. You know, poise is the biggest thing about being a goaltender. You can't just, you know, throw it together and think you're going to get anything. Yeah, well, I, I think just because of the nature of the position, yep. you, you know, you have to develop a sense of calm. You have mm-hmm. to know how to stay focused. I think the biggest asset for a goalie too is like when stuff does go wrong. Exactly. How do you, how do you, how do you get, see that we talk about that in football all the time is like when something goes wrong as a quarterback, how do you come back to the next play? And you, you usually separate the great quarterbacks from the good quarterbacks just based on that. Like the great quarterbacks, they can throw an interception and they come back and they're like, 
same player, you know? Yeah. They're still ready to fire. It's, it's like a goalie. Goalie, there's some goalies that they get a goal or they get two goals on them and they kind of get shook. Like, Roberto Luongo was that kind of guy. Like, he, he was really like a, he would get shook really, really easily. And that's what, that's what killed him in, like, playoffs and big games was he always got, he'd get a goal scored early on him and he wouldn't be the same goalie as if he played with the lead for, 20 minutes. Well, and, you know, I think, too, the reason why it takes a little longer to develop that with goalies is the fact of the matter is, is that there's nothing that is going to replace the experience. The ex- experience teaches you that you don't – losing your cool does not help you. Yeah. And so you – and you've after a while, you've been there, done that. You've seen that. You know what to do. You have a sense of um, cellular memory, mm-hmm. right, Where or muscle memory where it just takes over. Yeah. And you get into that automatic um, kind of your body just does what it knows to do when it sees something. That kind of um, mind and body, uh, you know, awareness yeah. just develops, off, first off, biologically mm-hmm. as you get older. Yep. So that's helpful. And then you add experience to that. So I think that's why you see that particularly when it comes to goalies. Um, you know, we talk about that in baseball with pitchers. Uh, you get that same thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's that same uh, dynamic that goes on yeah, in terms same, of development, right? Yeah, quarterbacks, pitchers, yep. goalies, they all have the same dynamic of overcoming adverse, this, uh, you know, adversity, you know? They're over, you yeah. got, how do you come overcome the the play that you didn't make the great play, you know, how, how do you right. make, how do you come back from that? And that's what a goal, young goalies really don't understand. And then, you know, you got older goalies like, you know, the Lundqvist or the Marc-Andre Fleury's or the Jonathan Quicks who, you know, they're just so, they're so, they're so, they know what to do in certain situations. And when they, when they get tasked with like two goals get scored against them, they kind of come back and they're, they're still the same goalies. They really don't, Flinch, you know, there's some goalies that get shell shocked really easily. And like, like one of those goalies was uh, Peter Mrazek mm-hmm. that played for the Rebels. You know? Yeah, yep. He give up. He he'd have games where he looked like he was in, he was a god dang all star, right? He shutouts this that, and then there'd be games where he would get rocked. And there's a reason for that. It's because he can't he can't he can't handle the pressure when stuff goes wrong. You have to keep coming with it. You can't just sit back and like. Oh, crap, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, and I think that what is going to be a big, big plus for the Red Wings, obviously, coming out of Christmas break, you know, they've got a couple of interesting games coming up here, right? They got um, the Colorado that's coming up, and then they've got, what did I think it's? uh, Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, We'll see how they do uh, against those teams. You know, obviously, their their rival in Colorado, that's always going to be a fun game to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if they got rocked. Friday. Yeah. I, I, I really don't think they want to see that happen again. I really don't think Blash will want to see that happen again. No, not for sure. Oh, for sure. No. For sure. Um, you know, and the thing is, you know, like we've got, you've got these guys coming in and out of this COVID protocol. And, you know, that's the other thing. I, I got to talk about the NHL's management of, of COVID in general. And I think you, we were talking about this pre-show, Joe, and you mentioned, you know, COVID's not going anywhere. No. It's, it, it's, it's quite, quite frankly, COVID has been around forever. Viruses have been around for centuries. They're not going anywhere. And it's it's not a matter of how do you manage this particular virus, but how do you 
how do you dial it back from where you were and how do you talk about, all right, what our goal, our goal shouldn't be we want to keep guys from getting it because they're going to get it. The first thing is they need to stop mandatory testing these players. I mean, the reality of the situation is this. If you test everyone that you, you work with, usually, I think everyone, there would be at least two or three that come back positive. At any given time. Right. So, at any given so time. So my, my position on this is, like, we got to learn, as a society, we got to learn to deal with it. You know, like, like we have the Canadian government, which is our neighbors to, you know, the east. Um, they're, like, they're limiting at, uh, attendance at the Maple Leafs and the uh, Ottawa Senators game. The reality is you're not going to, this is not going away anytime soon. Right. Like, if you talk to doctors, you talk to people, like, this is going to become part of the norm. Like, if you're symptomatic, it's like, you're sick. You're sick. Right. Like, just take care of yourself. Go get your, if you want to be vaccinated, if you don't want to be vaccinated, do what you have to do. But the reality of the situation is, it's not going away anytime soon. And it, and it only... It's only a detriment to both players and to the ownership for them not to play. They, they have well, to play. Let's put it this they way. need to play. Look at the Cleveland Browns. They are going into a pivotal game against the Indianapolis Colts for playoff position in the NFL. They're going to be missing their starting quarterback, their head coach, their wide receiver, and a couple – there's seven other players. I mean, you think the Cleveland Browns are like, oh, crap. Like, why? Oh, like for, right, for sure. Like, like and I bet you, I bet you, there's only probably one that was symptomatic. I, yeah. I bet you, they just gotta stop the, they gotta stop the testing because if you keep doing it, you're, it's this is gonna become a revolving door. It's gonna water down the product, and then they're gonna, what's gonna happen is, if you really want to be honest, there's gonna be teams that are gonna be losing games, and it's gonna affect like you know the future of what you know. Let's say like. Let's say Toronto gets that at some point. They they get they have a couple players. They lose a couple games that they should shouldn't have lost. They miss the playoffs. I mean, that affects the playoffs because they're a pretty talented team, and if they can't get in because of a couple games, listen. Every NHL season comes down to a couple games. That's the reality. Like every season, you look at the points and you go. They could have won this game. They could have got in. Right. Lost this game. If they won, yep. won this game in overtime, they could have got in. Like that's what we talk about every year. It's the same thing with the Rebels. Like if they miss a key player at a key time, which that's the reason that people were kind of harping on Bertuzzi about being vaccinated because he can't go play in Canada. He sort of missed time with the COVID because uh, he was had he had COVID. It's like you're gonna be missing a lot of games. Well, you know what's interesting too is that. of the NHL is vaccinated. Yep. I read recently that almost 20% of the NHL has gotten COVID anyway. Right. Even though they're 100% vaccinated practically. You got got a fifth of them that are still getting the virus. You got to stop the the mandatory testing. So they stop the testing. You know, the other thing they're talking about now is how does this affect, you know, the players fought in their last collective bargaining agreement. They fought for the ability to go to Beijing and play in the Olympics in China. Well, now the league may be shutting down that. You know, they're, they're at a pivotal point. What do we do? Do we say, no, you can't go, or do we leave it up to the individual players? The last thing that Gary Bettman said, was, who was the commissioner of the NHL, the last thing that he said was they're going to leave it up to the players to decide if they will go to Beijing or not. The issue is 
problematic because it it's just complete it creates all of this uncertainty you don't know what the chinese government is going to do they're waiting for the quote-unquote playbook to come out from the chinese government to determine what the protocols are going to be for players who pop positive over there um you know first it's you need two negative tests before they'll let you leave then it's like well you might have to quarantine up to five weeks well that's a big difference and one could devastate the NHL's season, and the other one might just be an inconvenience. So who wants to take the chance? No. And, and I'll tell you, if I'm a key player, if I'm any player, quite frankly, I don't want to take the chance of going over there and being quarantined for five weeks and missing five weeks of my playtime in the NHL, particularly at that time in the season. I mean, and I don't think your your co uh, you, you know your your um, well if I if I'm a general manager teammates are going to appreciate I, it either. I, if I well if I was the general manager, like the reality is, you send the best players over there to, to play in the Olympics. Like you send a site over there, Verona, Bertuzzi, or, 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 was, or, yeah. or Raymond. Well, Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi won't have an option because he's not vaccinated. Yeah, Bertuzzi, so. Bertuzzi wouldn't be able to go. But Larkin, yeah, you know, the Dalkovich was talking about to be on the Olympic team as a goalie. And I think, didn't Larkin just make a statement? I think Dylan Larkin just made yeah, a statement about he said he, he said, wasn't going to go. He said he's uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Because, like, just think about it. You Let's say, let's say you do pop a positive at the end of the... You're staying five weeks. Five weeks is losing, like, a Larkin or a Raymond or a Cider. Oh, it could change the whole trajectory for I mean, it your, could, it could change for the whole, Stanley it Cup could, Finals. It could, change, it could change the whole trajectory for the whole league because yeah. if, like, let's say Austin Matthews does it, that, that hurts, the, that hurts the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Where's Connor McDavid? I was about to say Connor McDavid, Connor right? McDavid pops a positive. Holy shit, the NHL has a ton of issues coming forward. Because How about Vasilevsky? If, right? Anybody. Anybody that's a star player, they're going to play for their, their, their country. Yeah. And if they can't come back and play for their team, oh boy. Yeah, it's it's almost not even worth it. You know, the whole thing is this whole COVID issue and the fact, quite frankly, that it's in China where this thing started off, if you believe most reports anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole geopolitical dynamics here, in addition to the whole dynamics of the NHL season, um, the impact on individual players, individual teams, and then the Olympic uh, teams as well. The whole, everything combined there is just so bizarre that this one thing could impact so many fundamentals in all of those organizations. It could change the outcome of the trajectory for all of them. For the league, yeah. For everything. And for the Olympic teams. Yeah. The Olympic teams, I'm sure, were planning to have some of these guys on their team. Yeah. And we're we're planning accordingly. And now that's not going to be the case. We could see... A lot of teams going to the Olympics truly with a roster full of amateurs. Yeah. And honestly, at that point, like... And maybe some people would appreciate that. Maybe some people like the days prior to the pros playing. And so maybe it will be a little bit of a nostalgia there going on. But it sure as heck isn't going to make it fun to watch. It's not going away. This COVID stuff is not going away. It's just just a bad situation for it all around. Because people don't know how to talk about it in a... you know, a voice that like in a reasonable in way. a reasonable way. Yeah, like, it's either oh you gotta do this or oh you shouldn't do this. Like just whatever you want to do, just do. But like they got, especially in China, you don't know what that Chinese government's gonna do. You're a politician. When have you ever heard of 33 countries agreeing with each other? I've never heard of 33 
politicians agreeing with each other. Right. So when you got 33 countries going, right. are you going to Olympic Games? No. Yeah. It's a diplomatic issue. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a kind of a big, huge conundrum. Well, you know, it's interesting because then you have the whole factor of the politics coming into this. You know, and, and I remember one of my favorite movies, as you know, is Miracle. And, and you know I love her books. The Cold War, yeah. Right. They talk about, in that movie, they they show a, quite a bit of that, of how much of a political overtone was involved as to whether or not our team was even going to go mm. um, back in 1980. And um, they didn't know if they were going to be allowed to go at that time. So it's almost like we're looking at the same situation here as well, because I'm sure you're going to have some people from the American government calling Gary Bettman and saying, we need you to go because we don't want this to be some sort of a signal to the Chinese government, perhaps. Yeah. I'm sure they're getting pressure from the, the American government. I'm sure they're getting pressure Canadian from government. the Canadians. Exactly. Now you've got players also that I'm sure have some government officials calling up saying, hey, we need you to go because of this or that or the other thing. So there's a whole lot of political influence going on here in addition to the health crisis, in addition to the, you know, interests of the league, in addition to the interest of ownership, the interest of the individual players. I, I would hate to be Gary Bettman right now. I mean, yeah, I mean, this thing is got, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a spider web yep. that has many, many, many connections. And um, there's a whole lot of, and they, in fact, in one of the art, in articles I read today, um, someone from the NHL even said, uh, there's so many moving parts. And it was interesting. He didn't mention what those moving parts were, but I'll tell you right now, as those of you who are listening, I just told you what those moving parts are because I know, because that's part of what I do for a living as yeah. well. And I can tell you, uh, what you see is not always what's really going on. There's always, and we talk about this, Joe, there's always a game inside the game. Yeah. And the game inside this whole NHL Olympic COVID uh, spider yeah, web, there's think, a game in there. If you think about it, Gary Bettman hasn't said they shouldn't go. I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know is he hasn't said anything like, oh, you shouldn't go. He's been like, they can go if they want to. So he's leaving up to the players. I mean, that's his league that he's talking about. But I'll tell you, if I'm any, if I'm any GM who's got any kind of shot this season, I, I may not tell, I may not be able to tell my players not, not to go. To go but I'm going to put some incentives in place and strongly encourage just, them not to go. Yeah, discourage them to go. Yeah. Just, just it, not it's, worth it. It's, it's just it's, not it's, worth it's it. Such a, it's such a conundrum to be into. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to show weakness, but you don't want to, you don't want to ruin your season either. Like I, I can't imagine if a cider or Raymond pop a positive and they had to stay five weeks. That'd be, that'd be incredible. Well, it'd be devastating to the wings, I think, or demor. It would be very dis- demoralizing at best. And uh, I just think we're going so well. In the case of the Detroit Red Wings, I would, I would hope, actually, that our guys stay back. Yeah. And um, and maybe take take a pass on this one. It might change. You might the NHL, NHL might just say, "No, you're not going. Like you're you're not going." And, and maybe they, that's the cover they're hoping to and, get. And they have they have until mid January to say that before they have to pay compensation to the Olympic Committee. So we'll see what happens there because that's a huge. Issue in sports. Definitely one we're going to be following. Yep. In the next segment, we will be talking the Lions. Sadly, there's nothing really fun to talk sad. about. Sad. That's what they are, Joe. Sadly. Sad. Everything's sad. <laughs> the, the COVID killed them. And we'll talk about that in the next segment. Yep. Welcome to Twin the Whistle. Welcome to Twin the Whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. We had a little bit of an issue hitting the button. 
<laughs> but that doesn't change the fact that we are your hometown team. Yes. And we're talking the Lions in this segment. And, you know, Cindy, there's people say, you know, the Lions are like, they are great, obviously. Uh, they'll be picking number one in the draft, most likely. But there are some positives. Yes, there are. And they might be difficult to see, or you guys might not believe that they're there. But Joe and I are about to prove what we say, that there are positives about the Lions season this year. So we'll give you our six, our four down, um, our four downs of positivity for the Lions. Because, let's face it, there hasn't been much positivity. But if there is a positivity, we're going to show you here. So with first down, yeah, we're going to give it to Cindy, and she's going to tell her positive. My first positive is Panay Sewell because it looks like, first off, he's playing outstandingly that's a, well. That's a good one. That's a very, very good one. I'm telling you, very, outstandingly very well for a rookie, and I'll tell you why. Not only is his play, anybody who's been watching, I know it's been brutal, but if you watch this guy, uh, he's done outstandingly well, so much so, and here's something very notable, is they're actually talking about he may actually get Pro Bowl votes as yeah. a rookie, as a rookie. Now, that is notable, and that's a positive no matter what the outcome of the Lions season is. He's been playing outstanding for a rookie. And, it, you know, when people dra- when they drafted him, people were kind of, like, hard on him saying, like, oh, he hasn't played good in the preseason. You know, we talked about that before, about how people took too much from preseason play and they made it into a whole hot take argument. But Penesco has been very, very good. I can't – I'm actually excited because this plays into the first down point. I think that when the Lions get their full uh, offensive line back, I think they could be really, really dangerous. Not just dangerous. But I think their offense could be a lot better because you're you're missing your center, Frank Ragnow. He's 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 a lead person for your your offense. The center is the biggest portion besides the quarterback of the of the offense. They call out the, the line calls and they make they make the adjustments at the line that the quarterback can't make because he's make he's making other adjustments. Having a center back, and then you talk about Penny Sewell being as good as he's been, and like you got Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson. I mean, you got a really formidable line going into the future. So, is that your second down, or is that just your additional commentary on the first down? That's my additional commentary on your because you played well into the uh, first down. Uh, so, we will go second down. Second down. There's been a positive on the defensive side of the ball. It's been the undrafted rookies in Jerry Jacobs and uh, AJ Parker, who have, you know, Jerry Jacobs got hurt. He's out for the year now, but it's okay because he's shown a lot of potential going forward. Obviously, they are missing a lot of people in the secondary, and the, and obviously missing Jeff Okuda and missing a bunch of people. But they, Jerry Jacobs played very very well. He's actually lead the league in ball hawk percentage. Just very, very rare for like an undrafted rookie. I mean, some of the guys he was ahead of were first and second round picks. That's a very, that's a brilliant move by Brad Holmes. And what do we always talk about with Stevie White? Good general managers find talent. Yep, and that's their job, really. They've got to be, you know, and especially, you know, we talk about Stevie Y. 
you know, you look at the guy's calendar. He is constantly, always going to games. The guy mm-hmm. eats, lives, and breathes that game. He's yep. always going to look. He's always on the lookout for new talent, yep. new players. That's where he lives at. And this general manager, same thing. You can tell he's got his eye open for this new talent. And even look at how he drafted this year. Yeah, and his undrafted for agent too. Like, yeah. Those are people that no one took, and they took a chance on him, and they paid off really, really well. Yep. And so going into my third down, I think you have the same third down, and that's it's we have we're mutual on this. Yep. But the draft class of the Detroit Lions. Yes. The draft class, including Penai Sewell, including the Anzarike, the Eileen McNeil, the uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown. I mean, they've all had ups and downs this year, but they are progressing well. You know, you really don't expect rookies to come in and be amazing like Penai Sewell. I mean, it's especially when you get to like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You really don't expect them to be great, right? But you do expect them to contribute. And all those players are contributing and they're getting better and they're you know, they're having there's certain players like Derek Barnes who's having a little bit of he's he's up and down. It's same with the defensive tackles and McNeil and Anzarike. They both they all have this up down kind of theory, but I think going into year two they know what they're getting themselves into. They can kind of progress themselves going forward. Okay. Yep. Nope. That was exactly right. And we kind of talked a little bit about that pre-show about uh, that. And so now we're on to our fourth down. And there's a chance, Joe, we could also have the same fourth down. You give me yours and I'll give you mine. My fourth down is... Fourth down of positivity for the Detroit Lions this season. You know, Dan Campbell fired his offensive coordinator in Anthony Lynn. Yeah. And Dan Campbell has not done the greatest play calling jobs. But you know who has had a very big role into some of the game plan this this uh, last couple weeks? Ben Johnson, their tight ends coach. And he and Goff said that he's going to be a, he's a stud going forward for offensive play calling because he's very, very smart with how he – like Goff talks to him all the time, like what he should do here, what he should do here. And he's a tight ends coach. Yeah. And I think Dan Campbell being a tight ends coach, them having a guy in Hawkinson who's a tight end, I like that he's he's involved in the passing game and he's in the passing game's got a little bit better. I mean not great, but they don't have the best players out there. They didn't have Hawkinson out there, Swift out there last game. Yeah. So but there's just with with what the talent they have on offense, the they're not doing as bad as people think. They're just they're not talented enough. Yeah, so what I would say is my fourth down, similar to yours, you know I love TJ Atkinson, mm-hmm. but my fourth down was going to be coaching. Yeah. Coaching. I think the coaching staff was a positive because I think with the exception of the offensive coordinator, okay, little hiccup there, but you look at the coaching staff of the Detroit Lions and you have an all-star coaching staff. Yeah. And Dan Campbell... Uh, although I mean, you got you got to look at the, you. You hit one right on the na- head. I, I think we both kind of hit it on the head. But Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, what he's had to work with and what he's the the, the problems that he's had with injuries and COVID. I mean, for him to do what he's been doing with the talent that he has is pretty unbelievable. Like, if you get this guy some talent, I can't imagine what he'll do. Right. Well, and it's the same thing. You know, in in Detroit in general, you look at the coaching we've got. You've got, you know, the coaching staff for the Detroit Lions, outstanding. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got uh, A.J. Hinch over at the, at the Tigers, you know. Blash with the Red Wings. Blash with the Red Wings. And I will give you, I'm staying corrected, you know, 
I love Jeff Blaschel as a person. I really, really do. Uh, but I was getting nervous about him, and I, I understood his lack of the lack of talent. And I think he could have done, he should have done things differently to work with that. But besides that, Jeff Blaschel is showing us that you, again, you give him a little bit of talent. Look what he's been able to accomplish. It's the same thing with Lucas with, Raymond and Mo Sider. Yeah, it's the same thing. With, it's the same thing. With, it's the same thing with Dan Campbell. Right. Right. I mean, right. If, if you if you, I mean, you could take a, a guy who like Bill Belichick, right, or Scotty Bowman, or Joe Girardi. Or uh, uh, any any huge manager, coach, it's Popovich from the Spurs, and you you give them a talentless roster, they're gonna struggle to win games. Like it's just a reality. Like you need talent to win. Like Phil Jackson for all the all the championships he's won. Who are when he won championships? Who did who do you have to coach? Right. Oh, that's right. He had Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> that helps. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like Bill Belichick, prime example. Didn't have a quarterback last year because Tom Brady left for Tampa. He's got a quarterback this year, and they're leading the AFC. Great coach. You just have to give a good. You have to give coaches their their a guy that they can lean on, trust, and kind of get through the, the the hard parts. You know, like the thing about Tom Brady that makes him different is like wherever he goes, he wins. That's because he. Because he, he's the goat, man. He, he basically, ma- you know, I love my but Tom it's, Brady. It's, it's like, it's like all, it's like the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell Wilson. It's like they are huge parts parts of their team. Like they don't play, they're not winning because that's how big of an impact they give. It's not just during, you know, it's not just this. Oh, he's passing the ball really, really well. It's the it's the leadership, the getting the game inside the game. We always talk about the game inside the game, and the, those quarterbacks, they that's what they parallel for that. Like they show it all the time. Like they are hugely important for their team. Their team takes their the way that they lead, and that's how they play. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, there there is actually to a, t- a kind of a if there were a fifth down, I think there's actually there's actually five really positive things. Overtime. Overtime. There you go. Uh, the other big win I think for the Lions this year is culture. I think they've gotten they've started to get the culture right. Mm-hmm. I think they do have the culture right. And as soon as they get some talent in there, yeah. uh, with with the other positives that we've mentioned, yeah, you go into overtime with with a culture. They've got the culture right. Um, these guys actually want to play hard for each other. They want to win. Um, and I think they finally See, have that culture. I think around. the culture is the biggest thing. I think that's the thing that we kind of miss on the first four downs. But think, touchdown. But think, thankfully, touchdown think, on think, culture. Thankfully, there was a penalty on the flag play, <laughs> and we got to repeat the last down because. <laughs> Culture is such a huge portion. I think yeah. the one thing that people don't understand about the culture is, like, you look at all the good teams, right? You look at the Detroit Red Wings, and you look at that culture, and you go, okay, they really want to win. Like, that that's a winning culture, right? You go look at – you go across the sports landscape. Patriots, what's that? A culture of winning. Let's get it done. Ravens, I mean, they've been, they've been good for 20 years, and they – They've lost players that were hugely part of that, but they mm-hmm. always get they always get some guys back. Why? Because the culture is embedded in the organization. Yep. Steelers, the same thing. Oh, no question there. The cow, you know, the Cowboys they have a culture, but sometimes their culture gets skewed because of Jerry Jones. But like you like look at like the Red Wings and the, the Lakers and the Celtics and the Yankees and the all those teams that have prestigious history, and you always look back to one thing. What's the one thing that they all have? Yankees. 
Yeah. I didn't mention my. I said it. I said it. <laughs> all of them have the same thing yeah. in, 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 in their whole organization is culture. They have a culture and that's how they follow. And their culture leads to even, you know, their identity. Right. And once they get a culture and identity, and then you've got everything else that's filtering in there. But I think that was a huge win for the Lions, a huge positive for them. So they really have something to build on going and into I think, the next I season. think it was really good on Brad Holmes' part to get, like, the veteran leadership that they did get. But Brockers and Anzalone and the defensive side of the ball. And, like, the, you know, offensive side of the ball, you had, uh, you obviously had, like, Frank Ragnow and you had the Taylor Decker that were already in there. So it was very, very good for them to get those guys in there because it – when you're building a culture, you really need to start from the ground up. It's like, I remember Jim, Jim Davilano saying when he, he started with the Red Wings, there was a thing that he said he walked into a shit show. Mm-hmm. And, like, he had to start from ground up. Yeah. And he always said, he always said that's the hardest part. Well, Dan Campbell seems to be getting that hardest part done. Him and Brett Holmes would be seeming to get that, that hardest part done because they really have a mindset of, we're going to attack this in the right way and we're going to get it done. And we're not. We're gonna. We're gonna create a culture that is tough, physical, and plays hard. And that's always a winner in Detroit, anyway. We all know. I mean, obviously, all of us. A lot of us listening here, and obviously, Joe and I. You guys know we are huge. We are your hometown team. We're huge hometown fans in this Detroit. The culture of Detroit. The identity of Detroit teams. I don't care where you go. It's all. It's toughness. It's grit. It's mm-hmm. who we are. It's what our culture All is. All of our teams that have won championships with the Tigers, you know, the 84 team was a tough, tough team. The Pistons, 04, the Bad Boys, yep. the Red Wings. I mean, the Red Wings were a tough team. Like, they were a very, very gritty team that they would win at all costs, you know. It's, even you look at the college football teams in Michigan this year with the way that they played, you know, they were not the most talented team on some occasions. But they just grinded it out. They grinded yeah. it out. Same with Michigan State. They, the, the culture of Michigan State is grit and yep. try relentless and relentless. And right on the back of their helmets. Chop life. Yep. Like you just got these two these these school these schools have just showed what exactly what it's about. Absolutely, and that's who we are. I think that's all good things. I think we've pointed out for the Lions this year, and I think they've got a tremendous uh, foundation. They know what they've done wrong also. They've certainly learned what doesn't work. And uh, hopefully Dan Campbell will build on that and Brad Holmes will come in and continue to find that talent, Continue, and that the Fords will continue to finance that talent. I think the I think Sheila Ford is going to do a, a fantastic job as an owner. She's a rock star. I think, I, you know, I think, I think that no the, doubt. I think that her hiring Dan Campbell, Brad Holmes, they're two different mindset of people, and that sometimes is what really clicks. They got a great start, I think, for better things coming into next season. Definitely, and they, they're probably going to have a, a top overall draft pick. But we said, you know, top overall draft pick doesn't matter if you can't draft the rest of the draft. But Brad Holmes has shown in the first draft that he can draft players that can contribute at all levels. Absolutely. In the next segment, we will be talking about the Pistons and their four sweepers. And no, seriously, you got you got you got to hear this. You're not going to believe it. All right, that's in the next segment. Welcome to In Between the Whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy, and this is the Cindy and Joe Show, your hometown team. Now, it is not the most wonderful time for the Pistons, as they absolutely just are dreadful. 
That's probably the best word to use for Joe Dreadful. Well, I was going to say something else, but you know, I think we get kicked off Apple and everything. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to. If you the can't pi- be obscene. If the Pistons were a, a kid, they'd get coal for Christmas. <laughs> what a bunch of bumps. Well, you know, today is actually Christmas Eve for many of the general managers in the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, including Troy Weaver for the Pistons, because today is the day when those uh, a lot of those players who are eligible to be traded, uh, who sign contracts in the offseason, and Detroit has six of those. Uh, the bad news is what makes these are probably the lumps of coal in the stocking already, the mm-hmm. players that we have eligible to be traded. Nobody wants them. Uh, I mean, do we even know who the heck these guys are? I mean, or if we do know, we're like, we understand why nobody wants them. Let's look who they are. Frank Jackson. No chance. Corey Joseph. No chance. Saban Lee. Keep him on the roster. He's, he's pretty talented. Rodney Magruder. Silence. Wait, did, Crickets. Did, did, did you just make up a name? <laughs> Trey Lyles. Once again, crickets <laughs> in the middle of winter. Kelly Olynyk. Oh, but yeah, you know, he but he he's uh he's hurt, so that don't matter. So that doesn't matter. So here's the problem. The problem is we've got no value here. We have no trade value here, so it really doesn't matter. December fifteenth may as well be February fifteenth. It really doesn't make any difference here. But the Detroit Pistons have got to do something. Uh, is there someone that can be acquired, perhaps, that became available? I think that's. I think that um, you know, Weaver's got to start looking at what does this day mean for acquisitions. Uh, I don't think it, he's going to be able to do much. Uh, he could package all those guys up together, can't get them to go anywhere. So uh, the Pistons have an issue with um, what are they going to do. <laughs> You know that's basically what you see when you uh, when you when you hear when you you go to a Pistons game because like there's no one there. Well, and why would there be? Oh yeah, that's true. You know what? The only bright really, I mean, uh, Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, continues God to... bless his heart, because he plays with a bunch of uh, he he plays with a bunch of uh, gas station workers. You know, <laughs> he, some of these guys would be like, bro, go back to your shift at Speedway. <laughs> Like, it's okay. You're better off. You're better off being a, a floor sweeper in the NBA than playing for the Detroit Pistons at this time. Yeah, you get paid to do nothing. You get. I would rather be sweeping up sweat. Eight thousand dollars a year. Did you know that that's what they make? Seriously. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You you could be a, a sweat mopper in the NBA for the Detroit Pistons, and you're making eighty grand a year. Sign me up. Time me up. <laughs> no kidding, right? I mean, but the thing is, is the sweat isn't even worth it. I don't even know. I mean, it's an embarrass. It's an embarrassment, unfortunately, to to be a part of the Pistons organization. And I feel bad for Cade Cunningham. Even if you're a floor, you know, the sweat mopper making eighty grand a year, you're embarrassed if you're sweeping the sweat of the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, I mean, they've really taken a step back this year, and obviously, like, Sadiq Bey's had a tough start to the year, and there's been certain players that have had progression that we thought would have progression, and doing Casey's getting frustrated, but they really got to just trade uh, Jeremy Grant. You know, Jeremy Grant, he's got to get, they got to get him the hell out of here. So, 
the the question is, and a I, lot of people I, are I, having that conversation, Joe. I a lot of people are talking about report, trading Jeremy we, Grant. We reported on between the Westlows. Yep. We told you that they're, they're, this team's gauging. We might have some. We have, might have some sources tomorrow, or this week. Come this week, and um, but yeah, like Jeremy Grant, he's like, he's just got. He's got to go. You know, when we talked about last week what we could potentially get for him because really that's where we've got some trade value now the thing is where what do we get for him what can we get what should we get what um, should we be looking for if you're if you're troy weaver what are you looking for if you're Dwayne casey what are you hoping for you hope that some team will fight because they need another score i mean they don't need they don't need a guy who can like score 40 game but someone who can score with the supporting cast around him, that'd be Jeremy Grant. But I mean, you just gotta hope that someone overpays. The problem is, I the way I see it. Here's the problem as I see it: that the Pistons need so much. Yeah, they need scores. They need guards. They need they need so much that I don't think Jeremy Grant can bring us what we need. Uh, he's got value, but he doesn't have that much value. And as we pointed out before, you'd almost have to get, it'd have to be a multi-team, multi-player situation here in order for us to get something worth anything. Um, and it's even then, it's not going to be enough. I think they're really going to have to take advantage of, you know, their draft capital. They're going to have to take advantage of, uh, you know, maybe some of these guys that are come available, free agency, that sort of stuff. Troy Weaver is really going to have to get creative mm-hmm. uh, in order to give the Pistons an opportunity to at least be watchable in the future. Yeah, because right now they're definitely not watchable. It's kind of sad because they had so much promise last year and they just fell off the map this, this year. I mean, their shooting is horrendous and they're allowing a lot of points per game. So that's usually not a really good recipe for this, uh, success, I would say. You know, we talked in the Lions about what are the positives, right? We did our four downs of positives on the yep. Lions. Do we have any positives on the Pistons? I'll give you one of mine. Mm-hmm. If you look at their losses, and there have been many, but here's the thing. They're only losing by a couple of points in a lot of games. You know what I mean? It's t- it, It's not like they're getting blown out. Do they have the fair share of blowouts? Yes, they do, but if you look at it, you know, there's a good number of games where they're missing by four points, five two points. points. Yeah. yeah, I mean, under five points. And I think that's a positive. So it's like, it's kind of like the Lions, right? Even the Lions losses this year. They're rarely, there's haven't been many games where they're getting totally blown out. Right. Uh, last week's an exception. But, you know, where their their losses are narrow. So to me, it's like only a tweak or two could make a very big difference, kind of like with the Red Wings last season. They were just getting a bomb. It was they were getting obliterated. You make a couple of changes. We said there's going to be a couple of game changers. Mo Sider, Lucas Raymond, yeah, the and then you got right. Just a couple of changes, a couple of personnel changes, and that could really change the trajectory for the team. We saw it happen with the Red Wings. I believe it's possible for the Lions, and I think that's what the Pistons need to do. So if I had a positive, there's one of my positives. My positive would be Kate Cunningham. He's been he's been absolutely. He's been getting better each game he's played. He's been getting way better than I think people thought he'd be at this point. And you got to give him time because he's not really working with much. And like we said with Dylan Larkin when we were talking about the Rebels and their rebuild, is you know you really can't help. Things. 
lack of talent. The lack of talent around him. Because if you yeah. don't if you don't have talent around you, you're very you're very easy to defend. Because when it's one person, you're very easy to defend. They scheme you, these teams know what's coming from you. They know that you're the player that they have to have watch, and if they they kill you, they take you out of the game, they keep you scoreless, that you'll be you got you still have an easy win. Because that's how they know it. So for the Detroit the Pistons, it's the same thing. They need to get a guy that can help Cade Cunningham. Because right right now no one's helping him. He's he's being the only person that's helping. And when Jeremy Grant was in the lineup, he was helping, but he is a little bit of a head case when he takes these shots that are just like asinine. Like you're not Steph Curry, you're not LeBron James. <laughs> Stop it. Stop pretending to be something you're not, Jeremy. Right. Be who you are. Be, Own it, man. Just be who you are. And, like, these, I mean, it's just, it's not fun to watch. Like, they're not, like, you, you thought this year you'd come in to watch Pistons and you'd be like, they could be fun to watch, you know? But they're not fun to watch. You know, you look at the revenue, they're fun to watch. You know, you yeah. look at the Lions, like, there's sometimes they are fun to watch. Like, the way they play and the way, how, how hard they play. Yeah. But the Pistons, it's like, they're not even close. Yeah. And they're not even close. I mean, they're losing games to the Thunder, who lost by 78. It was yeah. the Pelicans, who are just as bad as them. Like, it's been a very, very bad portion of the year for the Pistons. And they need to pick it up because, I mean, you can't really keep losing because that hurts the culture more than anything. I think one of the things that Dwayne Casey needs to do, and we talked about this before, of what the culture of Detroit is. The only good, they've got to get tough. The they've got to get gritty. The only thing that comes good out of losing in an NBA is they get another player that they can build with Cade around. Absolutely, and I, I love Cade Cunningham. I think he's a tremendous just, kid. You know, I hope we can keep him. He, I hope we can keep well, him. Well, in the NBA, you better you have four years plus a rookie uh, opt-in. You know, you have five years and before they can go to free agency and leave, you better get better in those five years. That's right. Because if you don't, it'll be like Zion Williamson in, with New Orleans, where he's going to leave when he gets a chance because they're not a good team. Like, yeah. who wants to be on a bad team? Yeah. No one. Like, there's there's not many players that go, sign me up for 73 losses. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, you know, I think that. The Pistons also, they need to find, and I don't know if Cade Cunningham is this guy, but they need to find their Isaiah Thomas. I think he's potential to think, be their Isaiah I think, Thomas. I think, Cade Cunningham, I think Cade, what Cade Cunningham needs drastically is he needs his he needs his Joe Dumars. He, yes. He needs his... He needs his uh, and the Pistons need their Bill Lambeer. Where's their, where's their instigator? Where's their Bill Lambeer? Well, the Bill Lambeers are they're dying in the NBA. Like, there's not many of them left. You know what I'm saying? But, like, they need a guy who can who is a center who can shoot the three, too. You know, Kelly Olenek being out, that kind of hurts them because Kelly Olenek, he can stretch the floor. Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart can't do that. Yeah. I mean, there's Trey Lyles, too. He, like, he can't do that. I don't even know who Trey Lyles is. Like, <laughs> It's like it's like a name you pulled out of crickets. It's like a sure, it's like sure. a name you pulled out of hat. Seriously, like this, <laughs> I didn't make it up though. Seriously, I really I didn't you know make it up. That's, that's how bad the roster is. Like that's how bad it is. Yeah. Like you know, at least with the Lions, you know, you go okay. They got this guy. They got this. They got Taylor Decker. They got Sewell. They got this. Hawkinson. Yeah. Hawkinson Swift. Right. 
with the Pistons, you go Cade and Cade. <laughs> the Cade Brigade, but there's no Brigade after Cade. And Cade. Where's Cade's? Yeah. And Cunningham. It's like, it's all you got. Yeah. I mean, at least with the Rodman's, like, they had, they had, uh, Heronic, and they had, uh, Bertuzzi, and Larkin, but they needed them out, they needed more talent to help them out. Yeah, and, and you've seen where they've had some real game changers there. The Pistons need a game changer. They need someone that can... Other than just Cade Cunningham. Need, He's not enough. They need they need a guy who can coincide with Cade Cunningham and make him better. Like like we see with Dylan Larkin, with Lucas Raymond, and, and Bertuzzi. Like, he makes them better. Yep. And then you add a Verona in the fold when they get back, and you're going to be like, okay, that's a great team. Pistons don't have anything close to that. They don't have a Raymond right now. They don't have a Verona. They don't have any... They have Cade Cunningham, and that's... It. And we don't want Cade Cunningham to be the guy hanging out there like a Barry Sanders. He's the only one you got, you know. Well, and... even Barry Sanders had good team, good a good team to work around. Like he had Chris Spielman, he had Herman Moore, he had all those guys. He didn't do them by himself. Yeah. Like if you even want to come remotely close in any league, you need talent. Like you just need talent. You're not gonna, especially in the NBA where there's super teams and and you got to compete with some really really good teams. So. You can't just have one good player. That doesn't work like that. Yeah, they got to. They've got to make a, a considerable number of changes um, if they want to change the trajectory of uh, their of this season or future seasons. Uh, hopefully, they'll build on some of the positives. Uh, I think they have a great positive in Dwayne Casey, uh, and they've got a great positive in their GM, uh, Troy Weaver. And I believe that, you know, the other positive is they're coming close. A lot of their games are coming close. All they need to do is make, have make a couple of minor adjustments, and I think they will see progress. And once they see progress, I believe that is going to really help infuse a different, uh, you know, attitude, attitude mindset. Yep. Yep. yep, and that'll help to hopefully propel them forward I don't think it's going to get them to the finals. I don't think it's going to get them to the, to the playoffs. I don't think that's going to happen quite yet, but it'll get them moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you're hoping, and that's what I think everyone's hoping because they can't keep this up, and I don't think Kate would stay if they keep this up anyways. Got to make some changes. Yeah, so that was this has been a fun show for the week. Obviously, it's been kind of – we had some good – Topics of conversation. We did, and we enjoy being with you every single week. Uh, we might be taking a week off here sometime during the holidays, but that's okay because then we're going to come back better than we ever have been, and uh, we'll look well, forward Cindy, to that. Cindy's taking a week off. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll keep going. I'll, I'll figure out something for the show. He'll always figure out something. Maybe I'll come to you from some remote location, perhaps. Oh God! Wouldn't that be exciting and interesting? We don't want to hear you come from brothel, okay? Oh, get out of here. Now you're just talking crazy talk. This is the Between the Whistles Detroit. We are your hometown team. We will see you next week. Yes, we will.